The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 368, powered by Rageworks, broadcasting live Thursday, September 22nd, 2016. I'm your host, Rich, and our call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number, 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning into My Take Radio, My Take Radio is a variety show covering mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. Wednesday nights, we cover MMA and wrestling with a start time of 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 8.30 p.m. Pacific. Thursdays, we switch gears. We jump into gaming, entertainment, sometimes a little tech. Same start time, 11.30 p.m. Eastern, 8.30 p.m. Pacific. You can participate and watch tonight's show by heading over to mtrlive.com where we have a video feed, including now a daily motion player for our video feed there as well as an audio-only feed powered by Mixler. You can also listen on your mobile device via the Mixler app, download it for iOS or Android devices. M-I-X-L-R is how you spell the name for Mixler, no E in there. Punch in My Take Radio, and you'll be off with high-quality stereo sound for this episode and some of our past broadcasts. You can also punch in Black is the New Black, as Ben and Taylor also do a live airing of their show as well. Archived versions of this show and any of our previous shows can be found in audio format on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Video, of course, can be found on our YouTube channel. So we got lots to get into, just a couple of housekeeping things I want to get out of the way. Uh, First off, I did want to try and test streaming over to Facebook Live. Unfortunately, There were some issues trying to get it set up. On the contrary, about five minutes before we went live, it ended up crashing. So a big pain in the ass that was. And that's one of the reasons why I don't I don't bother doing it. You know, I've been trying to work around it and use the software that we do for the show, which is vMix. Unfortunately, as with anything else, there's always an issue and a headache, hopefully, Uh, It's one of those things that we can iron out because I would like to stream to Facebook. I think a lot of people are on Facebook and at any given moment, I think if I did the show directly to my personal Facebook page, even though I'm not 100% 
comfortable with that, I think that would be a good way to possibly get some new listeners and new viewers. In addition, I did find out that you can stream directly to the Facebook fan page or the group. Excuse me. But once again, it's one of those things that requires a little work. And like I said, it's just not worth trying to experiment, you know, an hour before we go live and end up fucking things up. But we are working on it. As I mentioned during yesterday's show, we are still working on the iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Google Play distribution. Once that's officially up and running, we will share that with you guys. We also have our upcoming podcast, The Variant Issue, on the horizon. Uh, Episode has been taped, ready to go out. It's just a matter of finalizing a couple of details, so keep an eye out for that. Rageworks.net with additional information very, very very soon. So a couple of things before I get into tonight's topics, I did want to uh, share my, which I haven't done it. I think I didn't do it last year or the year. I think I did it the year prior. Uh, we applied for New York Comic Con. Once again, uh, got hit with the mighty denial. Uh, no biggie. But it was interesting because usually they send you a very formulaic hey, we're not going to approve you because we vetted and it went through our stringent review process and we've determined that we're not going to do it. This year, I ended up pressing a little bit. I sent an email. I was like, listen, you know, I'm just uh, curious as to what exactly is the criteria that you guys look for. And even though they were they they were saying that they didn't want to publicly acknowledge what exactly the criteria is, They said that the reason being is because people like to game the system, and if there are established metrics in the field, then anybody and everybody will find a way to do it. And, you know, that was probably the most detailed response I've received in quite some time. It was interesting, obviously, because, you know, when it's all said and done, uh, and I I responded that, I said, you know, comparing our, our brand to... Uh, certain media outlets that may or may not be attending. Uh, there are certain outlets that we definitely, and it's not it's not a boast, it's just fact. It's just that we are uh, more versatile, cover more, and touch on substantially more than other people. I mean, from comics to toys to pop culture to movies to video games to MMA to pro wrestling to tech stuff, we, we have our fingers in, in many pots. And... I think it's one of our strengths. Some people like to say at times that it can be one of our weaknesses since we cover so much. But I think that most of us aren't uh, specific to one thing. I mean, all of our listeners in one capacity or another are just like me, meaning that they like pro wrestling. They like playing video games. They like being, you know, having the latest tech. They do collect comics. They used to collect toys, et cetera, et cetera. There's always a healthy combination of it. And uh, listeners who I've met in person or I've spoken to and on social media always say the same thing that, you know, we're kind of a, a one-stop shop for a lot of their interests. Some people end up picking up new habits because of some of the stuff we put on their radar. Other people uh, just get a newfound appreciation for the stuff they're into. And the reason I'm mentioning this is because I was having a conversation in a uh, in a podcasting group this week, and one of the things that was asked was, "Who is your ideal audience? Who who is your muse?" Which is an interesting an interesting way to to word it. And it was funny because you would say you would think that 
we want to cater to only wrestling fans or only MMA fans. And the problem is that it's we're so we're so we're so beyond that from what we do on our site to what we do with the shows on the network. It's it's interesting to see that the people who enjoy what we do in some capacity are like me and like slick slick is a great example also um you know and and a lot of the and a lot of these individuals they they share those passions and i think that like i said it's a gift and a curse obviously you know people say at times that we may be inadvertently spreading ourselves too thin i i don't i don't believe so and i say this because we we pick and choose what we want to cover that's that's the that's the beauty of it you know if we want to talk about the latest pops or the coolest statues or uh you know the best games or the coolest cell phones or the best pieces of hardware we're we're going to do that and i think that that's something that we're it's our strength and not for nothing if you look at you know comicbook.com is a great example they actually put out stories related to wrestling when something happens on a pay-per-view they post it on comicbook.com and like the name says, comicbook.com. But they do they do acknowledge stuff that happens in wrestling, um, occasional MMA stuff. I mean, Kotaku's published MMA things uh, on on more than one occasion, as as have they covered wrestling stuff too. I mean, The Verge, Polygon, a lot of these sites are getting into other pieces of content which are so far out of their wheelhouse. I mean, I shared a piece from Kotaku in our group, in our RageWorks Facebook group, six months ago and the people that that know our brand and know the show and are fans of the sport were they were horrified they were like holy shit really this is how this is what they what constitutes mma coverage to them and again whether it's right or wrong they're they're doing the same thing obviously they have one particular niche that they're good at and then they kind of spread themselves into other areas and for us our problem is that we're good at a lot of niches and, you know, again, not a boast, just something that I feel confident in saying we are, you know, we're, we're good at what we do, whether it's, you know, Jay Santi and TRSS talking about the latest happenings in sports with some wrestling sprinkled in and some kick ass interviews to Josie's boy on call me when it's over. That's talking. It You know, I, I like to look at that show as a life cast because it's a lot of his experiences, but there's also stuff about. Uh, you know, being an artist, being a creative, uh, they talk about music, they talk about real life. Again, a far departure from what we do, but still influenced by some of the stuff that we cover. Uh, you know, Ben and Taylor on Black is the New Black, they they dip into music, but they also talk gaming, they also talk entertainment, they also uh, discuss sports, and like I said, that's that's what we are. And, you know, it's all like-minded individuals, so for them to to you know say oh you know your your metrics or whatever need to be here etc cetera, etc cetera, i was uh, totally comfortable with it and i actually you know i thanked them for their response and i wished them luck and that was it and they responded back hey you know the uh you know please please reapply next year you know things may change etc cetera, etc cetera. and it was it was it was fine and i came away from from that exchange as happy as i could be and yeah, sure, as a New Yorker, we'd want to be part of, you know, the flagship event that's in our backyard, and it's cool, and, you know, I respect that they have certain criteria, and if we're not there, we're not there, and if we are there, then, 
you know, will be there. Simple as that. But I wanted to share it with you guys, number one, because I like the transparency. I like sharing it with you guys. But I also share it for those of you that are starting out that maybe have your first podcast and are and are checking out our show for the first time or have been uh, contemplating doing it or maybe want to start a website or want to do a vlog on YouTube. I share that because these are the challenges that go on behind the scenes. You know, a lot of people, they they have an expectation that, you know, we just come in, turn on our microphones, turn on our cameras and, you know, dance monkey dance for you guys. And there's a lot more to it. I mean, Slick... Slick can can attest to, you know, sometimes he'll get from me in a day 5, 10, 15, 20 emails of different things that I think would be worth putting on the site. And then, obviously, especially when it's gaming related, he, he you know, he goes through it. He vets it. He um, if it's something that's that's worth sharing, he'll share it or he'll dig a little deeper and try and get review copies, etc. Because, again, you know, that's that's where his strength is. And it's one of those things where, you know, we want to we want to try and continue to grow and do that. And I like I said, I came away happy. Usually it's hellfire and brimstone and anger and, oh, you know, fuck them and blah, blah, blah. And don't get me wrong. There's a part of me that's still, you know, there's one percent of me that's still it's it's like that stitch drawing in Lilo and Stitch where, you know, it's like how how evil are you is filled in. I am uh, I'm in a similar in a similar vein, you know, because it's, um, you know, am I annoyed? Sure. Who wouldn't be? You know, rejection in any form is not something you're going to smile at. But I also look at it as a blessing in disguise. And I say this to kind of wrap things up before we get into the show, because it allows us to focus on continuing to create great content, continuing to cover news, continuing to deliver cool shit and stretch ourselves out and maybe bring in new shows, uh, bring in new writers, cover other events. I mean, we're going to do the Photo Plus Expo uh, myself and JVB, who many of you know, came on board recently. And I think, you know, it's going to be one of those times where I'm going to work an event with, uh, you know, with a new with a new recruit and they're going to they're going to get a they're going to get a glimpse firsthand of how we do things. Slick has been, you know, he's covered comic-con with me he's covered toy fair with me he's gone to uh in you know certain industry events with me he knows how it is and he knows that when when i go in there it's you know i get dialed in and it's work 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 until we're done and um you know it's it's one of those things where it's it's good and bad so again i i took it as as a blessing in disguise because i know that that week that that the event is going on everybody will be putting up pictures of 17 different Spider-Man cosplays and I'll be grinding out content for you guys. It's the it's it's the old adage of while you sleep I train. While you guys uh go out there and 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 fuck around, we'll be doing what we do best. Anyway, as far as tonight's topics, we got quite a bit to discuss. We're going to get into the gaming news of the week. We got the MPD numbers for August, which of course a lot of it is very uh expected and a lot of it is also a little surprising we're also going to talk about some of the latest announcements regarding wwe 2k17 including a lot of the dlc and season pass information as always we will take your calls 347-324-3541 last but not least uh we're going to also get into the week's entertainment news 
couple of things I want to get into. An interesting article from comicbook.com about underrated comic book films that uh, really got my attention, and I kind of want to get into that. Again, if you guys want to participate and you don't want to call in, head over to mtrlive.com. We got a chat room in there, and you guys can interact. I know a couple of you guys are watching on Twitch, Vaughn Live, and some of the other providers, and unfortunately, I can't see all those windows at the same time. So again, let me direct you to mtrlive.com, which is the best place to uh, not only enjoy the video of the show, but audio if you choose as well. All right. With that said, housekeeping out of the way, bullshit out of the way. Let's get into some gaming. So as I said, WWE 2K17 is around the corner. 2K is doing a full court press to get everyone ready for this brand new release. And the game definitely has shown tremendous improvement. Uh, a couple of people that got some hands-on time that I know personally have said that there's definitely been improvements in terms of the striking and also a lot of the wrestlers look more realistic. It's not like the previous game where only a handful of wrestlers looked really good and then other wrestlers just, you know, they were, they they definitely didn't dial it in. Like, you could definitely see that they put more work into, I don't know, Triple H versus Zack Ryder or, you know, some, something of that, uh, some, you know, or a Heath Slater, et cetera, et cetera. Like, you'll, you'll see the differences immediately. 2K17 definitely looks like it is better graphically across the board. Now, there's a couple of things that obviously have been improved. Uh, first and foremost is the creation suite. Uh, they actually built on a lot of the stuff that was established last year, which we know was obviously create a superstar, create a championship, create an arena, create an entrance, and create a show. But they've also added a new um, a new feature, which is create a victory and, of course, create a moveset. Create a moveset we all know, but create a victory, uh, very cool. They also added um, additional layers for facial hair, body hair, uh, different hairstyles in general, which obviously for those that are heavily into customization and creating your own wrestlers, you're going to have a lot of fun with that. Me personally, my days of, of doing superstar creations ended after SmackDown, Know Your Role, and some of those games. Once things moved into you know the, the, the last few uh, console generations, if I could download the wrestlers, I, I would. You know, I mean, 2K16 was a great, had a really great, creator community that put out some amazing uh wrestler models with pretty much uh tv accurate move sets down to to the t and i think that with you know things like that those of us that are either not as creative or just don't want to spend that much time dialed in are going to be able to you know do that stuff so for me i think you know that that's a that's a very very awesome uh feature set that they're going to build on, which is going to lead to obviously better created wrestlers. But another thing I thought was really cool that they were showcasing was for create a show, they've actually added visual filters. Now you're probably asking yourself, what does that mean? So the addition of visual filters means that if you wanted your wrestling matches to look like old wrestling matches on black and white TV, or maybe old wrestling matches that you'd watch on VHS, you can do that. You can either do a black and white filter, a sepia filter, or um, 
you can also do like the really bad VHS with the with the kind of off color tracking. So I thought that was a really awesome improvement. Um, obviously, you're going to be able now to customize your turnbuckle pads on each post for create an arena. And there's also going to be a couple of other tweaks that they're going to announce in the coming weeks. But I definitely think that what they've showcased and what I've seen so far definitely looks promising. In addition to that, obviously, with uh, the season pass and the DLC, you're going to get some some other wrestlers that you may or may not care about. It depends on, you know, how big of a fan you are of the game. But some of the wrestlers that were announced for DLC thus far are Luke Gallows, Carl Anderson, uh, The Perfect Ten, Ty Dillinger, Mojo Rawley, Austin Aries, The Godfather, Papa Shango, which it's essentially the same guy, uh, Kerry Von Erich, and of course, the late Eddie Guerrero. So uh, definitely cool to see, you know, Gallows and Anderson in there. Obviously, you can create your own version of the Bullet Club, whether it's with created wrestlers or even with superstars that are currently on the roster. I, I think it's a it's a nice, uh, nice little ad. I like the inclusion of Austin Aries. I think Austin Aries is, is one of those wrestlers that whenever I would go into the create a wrestler section, I would see a lot of of people creating Austin Aries. And of course having Eddie Guerrero in there is always awesome. So not a big, you know, that's one of those things, which it's a no brainer, a little shocked about the Godfather and Papa Shango. Not that I dislike either of, uh, you know, Charles Wright's different, um, personas, but again, you know, you have the Godfather, you have Papa Shango. All right. It, it, it's cool that you put them in there, but who gives a shit? I mean, uh, let me rephrase that. Papa Shango's not, uh, Charles Wright, the Godfather, and um, what the hell is the other guy? He was the Godfather, and he was Kama Mustafa. Uh, Papa Shango was somebody else. But in any case, um, I like, like I said, I like the announcements for the DLC, and they also obviously shared some ins- information for the season pass, which of course you're going to get the accelerator, you, which you can also buy separately for four ninety nine. The Future Stars pack, which is the pack that's going to include Austin Aries. Uh, Gallows, Anderson, Mojo, and Ty Dillinger. That pack, you can buy it on its own for $8.99. You also have the Hall of Fame Showcase, which has different playable matches. Uh, Cactus Jack and Diamond Dallas Page versus the Fabulous Freebirds, uh, which in this case was Jimmy Garvin and Michael Hayes from WCW Saturday Night 1992. You're also going to do the Freebird incarnation with Buddy Roberts and Michael Hayes against the Von Erichs, uh, Kevin and Kerry from WCCW 1986. You're also going to do Ivory versus Jacqueline from SmackDown 2000, uh, Sting versus Ric Flair from 1988's Clash of Champions. You're also going to have Sting versus Bret Hart, and that match was from Halloween Havoc 1998. Papa Shango versus The Godfather, which they're billing as a dream match. Uh, the Big Boss Man with Albert versus The Big Show from Armageddon 1999. The only thing that would have made that better would have been the big boss man dragging the coffin of the Big Show's father through a cemetery. But unfortunately, we we can't get that. We can only dream. Uh, the Hall of Fame showcase, you can purchase it separately for $9.99. Also, there is a Legends pack, which I didn't dig too much into during the, you know, with regards to the DLC. But that Legends pack includes Brutus the Barber Beefcake, Eddie Guerrero, Greg the Hammer Valentine, Psycho Sid, and Tatanka. You can buy that one separately as well for $8.99. And, of course, you got the the My Player Kickstart. Uh, You're going to get, obviously, a new moves pack, which is going to include a couple of different moves. Um, You know, the elbow drop from Zack Ryder, 
the face wash combo that Samoa Joe uses, the um, TJ Perkins, TJP clutch, the swing out neck breaker that Charlotte uses, and a couple of other moves. You'll be able to buy that for $3.99. And for PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, they have the NXT Enhancement Pack, which has Apollo Crews, Nia Jax, and Shinsuke Nakamura. That one's $9.99. And of course, that will also be available on the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox 360, but they're going to remove the uh, the 50% boost in points. Um, the Season Pass is going to cost $29.99, which um, according to the you know the fluff that they put out gets you a 15% discount versus buying each piece of content individually. Not sure how I feel about it, but um you know season pass items are not necessary to enjoy the game, but I know there's certain things that people are going to want to get their hands on. So you can buy it piecemeal, but again, use your discretion and ask yourself, do you want to spend the 30 bucks out of the gate or do you just want to pick and choose what you want to get? In any case, WWE 2K17 will be out next month. Look for a review on RageWorks.net and hopefully some stuff on the YouTube channel as well. Slick just told me that he is on the line. Let me bring him in so we can go through some of the other news of the week. Slick, what's going on, buddy? What's up, man? How you doing? I'm good. Yourself? I'm good, man. What do you got for me this week? It's It's been a pretty busy, not even week, just more so today. Like How a so? lot, a lot just came out today. Like from um, from the start of the day, I got a bunch of stuff from from Square Enix for Hitman. They they dropped a teaser for their um upcoming uh fifth episode right. titled Freedom Fighters. Okay, and um, they also put out a new challenge pack today. They, uh, it's called the Master Fortune Teller Challenge Pack, which goes back to Episode 3 in Marrakesh. Right. There is, it, you know, if anybody who's played it, there is a guy sitting on the street, a fortune teller, who you, one of the challenges of the game, you got to basically just toss five coins his way. And um, with this pack, basically, you got to snuff the guy and take his, his um, clothes and then run around and kill a bunch of people as a fortune teller. Interesting. And they, they they tried to, I mean, it's free, so you ain't going to get but so much. But they, they tried to really make it challenging. I actually did complete it already, which most of that is on our stream, which I got to do the write-up for it. But the, the stream is on my YouTube page. And And um, aside from that, like right before the show started, Capcom emailed me saying regarding the... Um, version 1.06 update for street fighter 5 yep which i actually am going to get into wait hold hold that thought on that okay (laughs) you hadn't mentioned this i didn't know if you had it yes sir i I just got it at like 10 something got it i did i got it as well but i I actually am gonna talk about that on air so but since you brought it up okay my bad no it's, it's all good since you brought it up we'll just address it now the um the brand new uh, Street Fighter update went live Thursday. Urian was the new character, as Slick said, uh, coming over from, obviously, Street Fighter 3. They've also added some improvements for players to get fight money, including daily targets. Uh, also, Urian is the sixth and last downloadable character for the first season of post-launch DLC, and I think that's definitely a big plus. 
Um, in addition, they actually also included environmental stage KOs, a uh, bunch of new colors for the character costumes, and they actually added a versus CPU function to practice against the AI. Now, before we get into the discussion, I know you know people are uh, you know tuning in for the first time, and I got to re- remind myself to let you guys know if you do want to call in to participate, uh, call into the queue and just press one to let Slick know that you're interested in coming on board and he will screen the call accordingly. I got to get into the habit of mentioning that since we are streaming on a couple of different platforms. Anyway, your thoughts on this update? It's, I mean, it's a, it's definitely a good thing. It's kind of a double-edged sword just because, you know, Street Fighter has always been the, you know, the gold standard of fighting games. Of course. But, you know, as of now, it's it's, it's um, midnight here, so we're a month removed from the release of King of Fighters 14. That's right. And it's like Street Fighters talking about they just added one new character, which you got to purchase. Correct. Either with real money or by earning fight money, and all these costumes and basically a bunch of DLC. Right. Meanwhile, again, for the same amount of money. You could I agree. go get King of Fighters 14 and get 48 playable characters in two bosses, which obviously will become playable characters at two point at some point. Right. So that's 50 characters fresh out the box versus how many does Street Fighter have now? I don't know. Do I want to say it's 30, 25? Or less than it's that. It's less than that. It's probably in the low 20s because I think it was 16 at start. Right, right, I right. I could be wrong on that one because I haven't, I haven't turned it on in a while. Right. But it's like, it's not even about the number of characters because with that, there's, there's going to be people who like some characters and don't like others. And at the same time, things like versus mode, like they're just adding versus CPU. No, of course. That really, really should be standard. No, I agree. So it's like, like I said, Street Fighter, in terms of fighting games, Street Fighter has my heart. Of course. I mean, that's where it all begins. I mean, the only thing that could literally tear me away from Street Fighter and not even look back would be if we got another Samurai Showdown. I agree. But that's a whole other story. Correct. But it's like, really, Capcom? I mean, you, you haven't been doing great in terms of even just giving us games lately. I mean, Capcom used to be the, the, the big dog. I agree. As far as like a third party, a third party developer. And it's like things trickle out now and you give us this. No, you're right. I it, am. it was, it was great when they announced it, how they were like, you know, you don't have to pay for anything. Everything can be earned by through um, fight money. But, Again, after this game, after King of Fighters comes out, it's like, why Why am I going to bust my ass earning this fake money, fight money, right? when I could just buy this game and have everything out the box and just worry about unlocking it, if, if anything? I'll tell you I why. Mean, I along think, with the email, it gave me a good... No, what I was going to say is I'll tell you why. I think that is all. it's a matter of fandom. You know, as much as King of Fighters is beloved by many of us that are hardcore fight fans... Street Fighter just has more mainstream appeal. I mean, you know, there's there's plenty of tournaments for money, et cetera, et cetera. So they're just they're just leveraging that. The only problem is 
that even on the tournament circuit, it's like unless you're un- you're unlocking every copy that's being played, well, it's probably going to be just the one copy of the game. It, you know, it doesn't. It, it's not the end all be all. I think that the characters that are there. I mean, I've unlocked only a handful. If I wanted to be super complete, I'd be playing the the survival mode to unlock everybody. I've only unlocked the characters that I'm going to use or mess around with. If I got to go back and I'm bored, maybe I'll go and unlock the other characters. But it's not, you know, I'm not losing any sleep over it. So I don't mind the choice in that capacity, especially when you don't have to pay. If it was a pay-only option, then sure, you know, good reason to be annoyed. But if you're going to grind and play it, you could unlock them at your own pace. And if you really want to play it, you'll put in the work, you know, which will help you get better at the game anyway. And that's what's great about the addition of the daily target system where it says you can get anywhere between 100 and 5,000 fight money per day. Right. But I just, especially now that it's sort of breaking it down and what I'm looking at, the fight money system is kind of, what's a, a polite word for it? Kind of fucking us. No, I, I, I can mean, see why. It says you can get you can get Urian right now for one hundred thousand fight money or six bucks. Right. Six bucks equates to one hundred thousand fight money. Right. That's pretty ridiculous to me. It, it's like saying well, you might as well just spend the six bucks because you're going to take forever to get a hundred thousand fight money. I uh, yeah, I want to say not necessarily because I did. When I played the story mode, and I believe it was two survival modes, I ended up getting... I was able to unlock two characters, I want to say. Because I know I unlocked uh, Ibuki and Alex first. You know, those two out out of... And that was out of a combination of those two things. I think I may have mentioned it on a previous show, possibly. You did. I don't know if you said that you unlocked them, but I mean, you said that you went through the survival mode before. But it's like... That's that's like a, a one-and-done type thing. You can't keep doing survival mode, can you? Yes, you can. To get more to get more money? Yep. Is it the same amount or does it decrease? Uh, it, inc- uh, it, it increases based on just level of difficulty, you know, because each each character has, I you know, it's been a while since I played, but it, it goes, you know, it has different levels and it'll go up, you know? Uh, I got to check it out. Like I said, I have not picked up street fighter in several months yeah i know i'm in the i'm in the same boat part of why i'm in the same boat i just you know with with the the character you know with the daily targets and and the continued enhancements to the game it's breathing new life into the title but i also feel that you know nobody and i hate to say this nobody was really dying to use urian in the game you know exactly like that's like, the, that's where I kind of feel that I'm we sure got jipped. I, 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 I never say that I speak for everybody. I never even try to say that I speak for anybody but myself. But in this case, I'll say it. I'm sure I'm speaking for a large percentage of the Street Fighter community, saying, "Why couldn't we get Sagat?" I agree. Sagat or S- any like Sagat, Adon, other people other than Urian. Yep, Sagat, Adon, Cody, Adon, Guy, yes. Mike Hagar. If you because he's in the story mode. It's like Urian, or even Golf one of class. those dolls, you know, one of those one of those new dolls. I would have taken that, you know. It's just if, for me, I always feel that character choices, especially when it comes to to stuff like this, it's always going to be hit or miss because you're going to have some people that are in the camp of all oh, that character is cool, then you're going to have people that are in the camp of why the fuck did you waste the slot, 
I just feel that Yuri and I understand you're trying to bridge, you know, Street Fighter Five and Street Fighter Three. I get it, and I get that you know, obviously, I I, I wouldn't be shocked if Gil is in the next in the next pack, you know. We'll see. But in any case, you know, I wanted to mention I wanted to mention it because. Like I said, it's it's a new update. It adds not only I didn't really you know the character edition was great, but the real stuff was based on the addition of those other features, the daily targets, the um you know the stage KOs, which were kind of cool. I, I you know I seeing seeing that stuff in execution was definitely a high point for sure. No, and the additions are definitely cool. It's just that sometimes I just feel like with a lot of games, even. This even goes for games that I praise. It's like this whole giving us stuff over time when you could have did it from the from jump. Right, piecemeal. It's just yeah, it's, it's kind of annoying. Well, I feel that Street it Fighters works become in some a cases like I. No, I was going to say that I feel Street Fighters okay. become a tournament game. You know, like Street Fighters become a a, a tournament style game. So, breathe, continuing to breathe life into it has is superseding what the gamers at home are looking for. You know what I mean? Yeah, that that's I mean, I feel that that's a little bit upsetting just because it's like Street Fighter started as an arcade game when it came out for Genesis and and um Super Nintendo, that's what really, you know, I mean, it blew up in the arcade, but that's what really, really got it going. That's where people were really excited that they were, you know, weren't spending quarters anymore, that they were spending 40 bucks to replace their Super Nintendo controller that they broke from wearing out the freaking D-pad. Because I know I, I wore out quite a few controllers playing that game. No, I agree. But, um, you know, I see it as, uh, you know... One of those situations where, you know, we're we're gonna take it um, as adding the game, you know, adding value to the game in the long for in the long form. Meaning that if they continue updating this game for just a, a ballpark, let's say uh, two years, and we get when it's all said and done, I don't know, forty five characters, maybe fifty tops. Then I can understand because at that point you've just extended the life of that game two additional years, you know. I, I mean, there's a, a yes and no to that, absolutely. Because at the same time, a person could be could say that, well, I'm still playing Ultra Street Fighter Four, which is two years old. Right. That's the way I see it. At the end of the day. I know I know somebody who was telling me today that they were playing Street Fighter Three online. No, I agree. I think today. That, well, but but you know why? Because at the end of the day, those are games that they they have a different type of a shelf life. I mean, you know, if you go to any you know local uh, fighting game events here in New York City, I've I've gone to a handful. You know, in the last few years, you'll still see people playing Smash Brothers. You'll still see people playing. Um, you know, some King of Fighters '97. You'll see people playing Mortal Kombat, et cetera, et cetera. You know, yeah. That that's all I'm saying. I did want to talk a little bit about. Oh, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. I did also want to talk about the um, he um, you know the the other announcement I got, and a buddy of mine was talking about it with me today, which was odd. He asked me if I had um, 
if I had tried the PlayStation View service. And I was like, all right, you know, uh, it's, you know, I've heard stuff about it. I've never wanted to get it. And it was funny because, oddly enough, as I was prepping for the show tonight, they, um, they put out an article on Coming Soon that HBO and Cinemax were going to be added to the PlayStation View service. For those of you that don't remember, PlayStation View was being um, taken as a replacement for cable, you know, for the cord cutting set. And I thought it was actually a pretty right. cool feature. And it's going to be, um, you know, it's going to be one of those things where, according to what they're saying, it's just going to be another way to add more value to your console. I know we have another caller. Uh, actually, he dropped out. Let's see if he dials back in. Um, it's one of those situations where I, I don't mind the addition. I don't mind seeing HBO. I don't mind seeing Cinemax. You know, it's it's a it's another way to to get people to cut the cord because you end up using your console f- to provide all the all the power. But for me personally, I just don't feel that it brings it's going to bring any additional eyes. If you get what I'm saying, like you're buying a PlayStation Four or an Xbox One for gaming primarily. Like, yeah, you're going to watch Netflix. You may watch Hulu. You may watch Amazon on demand. But you're not jumping into your car, heading to Best Buy or Target or wherever to buy it to watch HBO and Cinemax. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely not. I mean, I think part of it is I they're going to be. Agree with that. Well, I'll tell you, they're going to charge $15 a month for each of those. So let's think about this real quick. Netflix streaming, 10 bucks. HBO and Cinemax, fifteen bucks a piece. That's thirty. That's forty dollars to get uh, video content and you know two premium channels. If you wanted to add maybe Hulu, that's another ten. So now we're at fifty. Looking at that, it, it it actually creates a decent enough incentive for people to cut the cord if they're not, uh, you know, hardcore have to watch the movies as soon as they're out type of people. And obviously if you get an HD antenna, you're covered, you know, definitely it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out over like, let's say the, at least the next year, next year or two and see how the numbers go. Yeah. I think, uh, not even specifically with PlayStation view, but just with cord cutting options. Well, I gotta be honest. As as someone who has, you know, a, a pretty decent cable package and, and pays, you know, a fair amount for, for, for my for my cable, I I definitely feel that there's incentive. I think that if you could do and this is just me, I'm gonna use myself as an example. I have all all the movie channels and people are always like, Why do you have all the movie channels? You you know, do you watch them all? And it's like, yeah, different things give different stuff. You know, like I'll watch stars for some things, epics for other things. Plus, those channels are getting different movies before other channels. Like, you know, Star Wars, uh, the last Star Wars movie that came out was on, I want to say it was stars or epics recently. Not that I don't own the movie on on Blu-ray, but it's just nice. You know, if you're just thumbing through and you stop and you end up watching it, that kind of stuff. Again, if you did epics for 10 bucks, Showtime and the movie channel, they did a service together. That's another 10. That's 20. 30 for HBO and Cinemax, that's 50. 10 for Netflix. You see what I'm saying? For a fraction of what you're paying to a cable provider, you'd probably be covered. But there's always, you know, you're going to lose certain things, obviously. You're going to lose 
if you're somebody like me that watches, you know, shit like the Food Network, like I watch a lot of TV on the fucking Food Network. Three reasons. One, I like food. Two, I like to cook. And three, I, I, I'm always curious about how many different ways people can fight in, 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 in bakery battles. <laughs> I'm serious. It's like, oh, kids bakers square off to create monumental cakes and all this crazy shit. I actually saw one that I thought was pretty badass where it was all uh, they had to do cakes based on comic books, on comic book characters. And, you know, that's that's right in my wheelhouse. So that was pretty dope. But again, those are channels you lose in that cord cutting that people don't give a lot of merit to. But again, if you're getting, right. um, you know, the uh, Sling TV was one. Of, I remember I did the three month trial to watch the L Ray network. And that's another, you know, that that service is 20 bucks. So, again, even even for half of what you pay, you could probably cover most. And if you have an HD antenna, you'd be even better off. But we're not there yet. Almost. Almost. Now, I did want to, while we're on the subject of that and, and, and consoles, I, I did want to get into the MPD numbers. And the reason is uh, hardware sales. Even though we got a brand new shiny Xbox One S, hardware sales were down a whopping you know 6%, but still down you know, from the previous year. Um, you know, in August 2015, hardware sales were $190 million. So, you know, this year they were 178. I, um, is that factoring in price drops? Well, they're looking at it from just hardware in general, the way that the numbers are split. You got hardware, console software, PC game software, and then accessories. So as I said, hardware is just consoles in general, not factoring in, price drops just the overall sale of consoles gotcha so in that case you know it's i i can see the drop but it's also a little a little surprising considering that xbox one s moved pretty quickly when it came out i have two things to say on that one there you know there's been the quote-unquote knowledge for more than half of the year that both of the, the big console providers were going to be putting out uh, a slim version. So it probably could have something to do with it, the, the sales drop, because people were waiting for the, um, the Xbox One S and the PS4 Slim. Right. Also, there was the rumor of the PS4 Neo, which is now PS4 Pro, and Xbox uh, one Scorpio, which currently is still called Scorpio. And so, you know, for some reason, people thought that those consoles might have come out this year. I knew that wasn't going to happen. But regardless, I think a lot of people, well, not a lot of people, because it's 190 versus 178. Right. But enough people were saying that they were going to take the wait and see approach. I agree. I can agree with that. And a lot of people were also holding out. And these were these are things that are factors for sure. I mean, still, $190 million isn't exactly a number you can scoff at, and neither is 178. Um, when it comes to overall right. software sales, software sales were up 8% from August 2015 to this year, which obviously we're starting to see, and this is something you and I have talked about, an increase in 
um, you know, just better titles coming out during that dead period of July and August. Right. But um, I also think that you said that the, the Xbox One S has moved, but I think part of that might be that that um maybe that there, there wasn't a, a, a oh god sorry there wasn't a huge stock available when it first came out like let's take something another hardware that came out recently yesterday the uh, non-explosive Samsung Note Seven came out right and a lot of stores I can tell you from the Verizon side of things a lot of stores sold out. I didn't get mine. Which was the first day they got it. Yep, I didn't get mine, but that was also because Samsung sent out 550,000 units. That's what I was going to say. Samsung only sent out 500,000 total to the United States. So that's for the entire country for all the carriers. Right. So it's going to, excuse me, it's going to seem like it just sold out and flew off the shelves, but that's not a lot of units for the United States. No, you you make a, a great point because the Xbox One S two terabyte um, launch edition was a one and done affair. Everything that has come out since then, minus obviously the Gears bundle and a couple of others, are different. You know, there's a different there's a different attitude with regards to that. I mean, again, it's one of those things where the numbers do drop, and they're they're small drops, but it's still stuff that's noticeable. I mean. On on the, even though hardware and so and console software has gone down, PC software saw an eighteen percent increase. Well, as far as oh, you said sorry, you said software. Yeah, PC hardware. games. But I think part of that might also be the fact that um, a lot of people would like to say that there's no such thing as an Xbox exclusive anymore because. It comes out on PC at the same time, which right. is weird to me because it's been that's been happening for years now. So it's it's not anything new. But um, I think a lot of people that like myself don't have an Xbox One might be picking up Xbox games for PC now, right? Because of the whole Xbox connectivity to the PC, correct? The Windows PC, anyway. Right. I mean, you know what it is in in terms of that, and I'll get into that in a second. Uh, you know, it was still a strong month for Xbox One, uh, you know, for the Xbox One S, and it was also a strong month for the Nintendo 3DS. Now, in terms of software, I just want to go through the titles. Um, Destiny the Taken King, Minecraft, which doesn't factor in digital sales, Lego Star Wars The Force Awakens, Call of Duty Black Ops 3, still in there. Uh, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege. going up from 10? The what? No, they're not We're numbered. from 10 to 1 or from I- 1 to 10? I'm, I guess it's from ten to one, but they didn't. Know, you know the the where I got my notes from didn't have it numbered. So okay, I want to I want to say I'm going I'm going backwards. So let's say from ten to one. So uh, Rainbow Six Siege, Overwatch, um, GTA Five, still <laughs> uh, Deus Ex. This Mac- is insane because they're still charging sixty dollars for yes, it- the current gen and PC versions of it. Correct. Uh, Deus Ex, Mankind Divided, No Man's Sky, which does not factor in digital sales. And of course, the number one selling game for the month of August. What do you think it is? The game that my friend Vanilla Beast will not stop playing. It's called Dat Madden. That's correct. Madden, number one selling game. 
Uh, part of the reason for the very strong uh, software sales for the month of August, coupled with No Man's Sky and Deus Ex. Um, you know, the, the year over year was was definitely higher. And it was almost um, last year, Gears of War Ultimate Edition and Until Dawn were the top sellers for August. And Deus Ex and No Man's Sky uh, brought in three times the amount. And that's just the main game, not counting any DLC or season passes, right? Correct. Okay. Now, I just wanted to ask because I know that Deus Ex has a season pass. I'm not sure how much it costs. Right. Now, the only thing I did want to mention, though, that even though Madden did crush the competition as the number one selling game for August, there was a slight decline versus uh, purchases of the game in 2016, which was interesting. I think I might have some insight on that because, oddly enough, as much as I don't play and don't intend to play Madden, I've, I've seen a lot of the gameplay. And for a game that's always boasting the most realistic, well, the only NFL experience, but always trying to boast how close to the real thing it is, it's really shying away this year. I mean... There, you know, there's no, there's really no calls in the game. There, there's like delayed start and things like offsides, but the the refs don't call pass interference or anything like that. There are seemingly no injuries because I mean I've seen plays where my friend actually he scored this amazing, like it was like a ninety yard pass. And it led to a touchdown. And he did the highlight where he actually sent it to EA by um, Twitter. And the angle that he, he, he put it from, the guy that caught the ball should be dead right now. Dead or like Christopher Reeve. Well, you know what it is? Because he landed on his neck and folded over. Well, you know what it is with that? There's, there's always going to be elements of it. I know that there's a lot of realism to it. And I've seen some of the injuries and stuff that do happen. Because it can happen. It's just depending on what mode you play, et cetera, et cetera. Injuries on, injuries off. It's a, you know, there's a litany of features. But the thing is that even even at a, at a slight decrease, no one is stopping Madden when it comes to August. Like, that's that's where I kind of wanted no. to go into. No, no, Dude, even with 3% less people buying it, you know, 3% less of, of the populace buying the game, of the gaming populace, I should say, it's still it's still crushing anything and everything in the way, period, which is, you know, just insane. Well, I mean, it's it's insane. It would be insane if, like, we lived in Italy. Right. It's not so insane in the U.S. Because, I mean, as much as the rest of the world loves football, the U.S. loves its football. Right. But you know what it is? Uh, if so, it, it, here's, a, here's, a, here's an interesting experiment. I would love to see, which they wouldn't do, I'd like to see, like, I don't know, a Gears title or, you know, a big title drop in the same month as Madden just to see if Madden has the tools. Well, I mean, we kind of did see that because DSX released, and even with all the the shit that it got for the terrible uh, pre-order campaign, it was a big game, and it, you know, it got steamrolled. Right now, on the on the flip side, you know, on the hardware side of things, Xbox One outsold PS4, 
which is obvious. And um, the 3DS had a strong month. But overall, you know, with Sony, Sony's just laying in wait right now with with the um, PS4 Pro release. So it, it's not a, you know, to say that they're number one, it's it's to say, you know, two hot girls are vying to be the hottest girl in the room. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Think about it. Whether the Xbox One came out now, October, November, it doesn't matter. Because Sony's just going to put theirs out either after or at the same time. You know what? I, like, it's, 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 it's nonsense. Like, everybody's like, oh, you know, Xbox better enjoy it because when the PS4 Pro... It's like, who cares? <laughs> not to be a dick about it. I'm not being a dick about it at all. I'm just putting it from the perspective of it's, it's, it's about who's on first right now. That's what they're doing. It's hot potato with your money. Sony knows that when the PS4 Pro drops, people are going to walk in and buy it or trade in their shit to get it. It's also going to add an increased revenue stream if people start buying 4K TVs. It's all going hand in hand. Yeah, I think it's weird, too, because Sony is pushing for this whole... HDR and of course the 4K why wouldn't they blah 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 with PS4 Pro no that's get what I'm saying for the PS4 Pro but right and and it's great that the console is probably only going to be like 399 was the same as the original when it came out but right and the TVs are like three thousand dollars true but here's here's the here's the thing and I'm and I'm gonna I'm gonna use this as kind of the way to bring it full circle to to wrap things up. You know, with the holiday season around the corner, the first thing that's always going to go on sale, whether it's for Christmas or during Super Bowl season, are what? The consoles. No, 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 no. No, TV. Exactly. TVs. So everybody's like, ah, the 4K, blah, blah, blah. Listen, by the time February rolls around, you're going to be able to buy a 4K, and I mean a real 4K TV, for a, a little under a thousand dollars, and I mean a true 4K, not the quasi shit, but like the real shit, because that's just how it goes. And that's I'm what I'm still looking for. One, I still, I still don't see anybody putting out true 4K TVs. There's actually a very solid one from of all people, which I've talked about them before, Vizio, that that I was pretty impressed with. I will, I will definitely look into it because everybody. I see it's still doing the the UHD and, and calling it 4K. Right, but but there's there's been some good 4K panels out there. I believe um, Sony had a really good 4K panel, which I think was in Magnolia and Best Buy, which I saw that was fucking insane. I was like, Jesus Christ, you know, like it was it was it was you know just god tier the way it looked. I was like, all right, you got me. Not that I'm gonna go and buy a 4K TV, but don't misunderstand. If if I get a new place next year, my living room is going to get the most top of the line TV I can I can get. You know, it better do 4K, 3D, wipe my ass, cook my food, you know, tuck my kids in at night, feed my pets. Like I wanted to do the full kit for that for that exact I mean, reason. That's, that's how it should be. I mean, that's kind of like just a, a congratulations just for getting a home. Right. Gotta get something like that. Well, you know what it is? Too many people don't realize this. And sometimes, you know, I got people that they'll be like, you know, why do you, why do you, why'd you buy an AC that you can control with your phone? 
Why can't you just get a normal AC like normal people? And then I'll say this. You come home after a long day. Do you really want to sit there and turn on your AC and wait for that bitch to cool your room off? Or would you rather, oh, look, it's 5 o'clock. It's time to go home. Go in my phone. Turn on my AC. And when I get home, my house or my bedroom or wherever is a nice, cool 65 degrees. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey. like, like people, you know, in that capacity, you got to look at it. It's, it's like television. Nobody gave a shit about HD until movies made you give a shit about HD. Until you saw a regular TV show and an HD TV show side by side and you said, yeah, fuck that. If nobody brought, brings this stuff to your attention, it's not really a problem. Am I wrong? No, you're right. You know, it's like, it's like to, to your, here's a good example, accessories. You know, accessories saw a, uh, a 5% decline, right, for, for the month of August. And part of the reason, and this includes, you know, game cards, headsets, headphones, game pads, et cetera, et cetera. The only thing that saw some increased volume, obviously, were Xbox One S controllers because of the built-in 3.5 headphone jack, jack, et cetera, et cetera. But here's the thing. You walk into a store. You go into a, 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 an accessories aisle to pick up a controller. There's like 60 different types of controllers, you know? There's eighty eight. There's eight hundred different types of headsets. It, it 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 makes people crazy. Like me and you go in there and then we look for a headset. We want seven point one surround or five point one. We want it comfortable. We want noise canceling, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the average person that walks in, they're like, "Listen, I just want to listen to the shit quietly so I don't wake nobody up," and that's the problem. Nobody nobody makes it seem like it's a, an issue until you know somebody shines a spotlight on it like i'll give you an example i didn't realize that having a headset was important until i got married <laughs> you know when i got married i realized well see that's that's because you live at a home no I mean, no no but but i'm saying home no if anybody doesn't like it no them. no but that's but, but uh, I, I get where you're coming from too it's just that i live in an apartment so i i have long seeing the need and usefulness of a headset right but even in my case and i'll t- and, I, and i'll use that as the as the closer so to speak when i got married you know my wife didn't care you want to play games at 2 a.m sure but i thought about it and i'm like fuck you know if i'm playing doom and i want to use a fucking combat shotgun to shoot a monster in the face i want to enjoy that loudly which at 2 a.m for 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 a for a sleeping spouse may not be the best course of action. And and that's what I mean. Like not necessary wasn't wasn't something that I needed, but it was something that just w- had became more prevalent. Even in your case living in an apartment. Even if you're playing a game in your apartment and say the person above you is listening to a radio or you know, you're in a noisy neighborhood. You don't really think you need a headset, but then Something pushes you in the direction where you know what I'm tired of hearing this. This is good. this is what I'm going to do. Cir- circumstances dictate well, see, that's things. Because while you might be a madman, you're not an asshole, right? It's just being conscientious. Plus, I mean, they have some pretty damn good headphones out there. No, that's for sure. I just think the headphones are so nice it makes you question your your uh, surround sound. No, I got I got a pair. I mean, the ones you got me for Christmas are are definitely cool. You know, and that, and, I, and I still use those. Plus, you know, a lot of the review ones are uh, 
you know, they, they, they definitely can hold their own. But again, it's just sensory overload at this point. There's so many different ones. It's like, I just want to hear my shit and not bother anybody. Absolutely. My only problem is I want to, I, I have good sound. I need to um, get good um, output from the mic because right now the, the stream, everybody says I sound fine, but when I listen to it, it sounds like shit. Okay, well, um, I'll, I'll ask you this, and we'll, we'll wrap up the gaming segment with this. Uh, you're, you're using a, an external mic for commentary, right? You're not using an in-game mic? Um, on the live, I kind of have mixed back and forth, but right now I'm using the, the mic that's built into the Sony Gold wireless headset. Okay, um, once we get off air, drop me a line. I may have uh, some, some solutions. Okay. All right. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add? Yeah, I just want to know if you had tried out the, the PS4 because yes, I, um, I, I'm not seeing a whole lot about it, but I, I am seeing things where people are agreeing with me that the, the 4.0 update that brought in HDR has significantly slowed down the boot-up time. I, um, I noticed that there was a bit of a delay in, a boot, in the boot-up, but I did not time it because by the time I actually found my phone to start the stopwatch, um, it had already loaded. But nonetheless, you may, um, you know, give me, uh, you know, I'm going to try it in a, in a more controlled environment uh, later on because I actually changed the cables on my home theater setup just to get some, some cooler cables. So we'll see what the deal is. I saw an, old, an older video with someone booted up a, um, a PS4 and, you know, just using the time on YouTube. It took about 30 seconds for it to go from the beep to where you can navigate the, the menu. I, I booted up my PS4 yesterday morning from the beep to where I could use my controller. It took a minute and four seconds. I want to say, and this is just a, um, a, a ballpark, I want to say it took about 40 seconds, but you know what it is. It's going to be a little tougher for me to gauge it because I use the uh, a Harmony remote to turn on my, my system and the TV and everything. So if everything is off all at once, everything turns on in a certain order. So, you know, the TV, the, the, the TV will turn on first, the speaker will turn on second, the PS4 will turn on third, uh, sometimes the PS4 will turn on second. You know what I mean? So there is going to be some reasonable delay there. Yeah, I made sure that the TV was on so I could I could definitely see how how it was going. I made sure the TV was on before I started the PS4. Okay. Yeah, so I want to say 40 seconds, but I'll give you a more controlled assessment uh, uh, tomorrow or later today, I should say. All right. Anything else, my friend? No, I just definitely want to get at Sony about that, but good luck with that. Yeah, I mean, you know, trying to, trying to get into any sort of an exchange with Sony, I mean, your best course of action which I've seen success is Twitter. Okay, I'll try that. Yeah, Twitter Twitter's good for that kind of stuff cuz there there's always somebody manning the the proverbial controls on on social on when it comes to Twitter because obviously if somebody complains like hey, you know, nobody's managing your Twitter account, you know, like like that kind of stuff is big, so definitely use Twitter because um, you know, and if you want, you know, tag me in it and I'll I'll add my findings to it as well. Okay. All right, dude. All right, I'll get on that, you know, during the entertainment segment. Hi, right, brother. I appreciate the assist as always.
All right, I'll talk to you later. Peace. That was our very own Slick, who, of course, uh, has been pretty much a, a, a unofficial co-host of the gaming segment. I think, you know, it just it just helps it move along quicker. And he also obviously spots certain things that I don't. Uh, I do want to say that if you haven't, uh, make sure to check out Slick's YouTube channel. Uh, it is linked in our YouTube channel. And you'll be able to check out some of the great playthroughs that he does. Even though he does say that, you know, he, he's not a fan of his... Uh, you know the voice work that he's doing on the on the on the games. Uh, I think it's a great part of watching him play, particularly with the Hitman games. Which, if you've been on the fence about to to pick up, watch some of Slick's playthroughs for some of the missions. Man, like it's just a uh, when you know it, it it is it is complete mayhem. Uh, the last video, not the most recent one, the last video I saw, he had to uh, assassinate a woman, and he was hanging in the from the balcony and you know he dispatched everybody and as he's doing the voiceover he was like hey i panicked and he ends up like throwing a knife at the woman and i'm uh, uh, it wasn't a knife it was a scissor and i'm just like what the fuck you know i mean don't get me wrong i like i like playing hitman you know and i've played plenty of hitman games but watching somebody else play it and seeing how they play the game is interesting to me personally because that's one of those games and especially you know, a lot of people say that with, with the old Metal Gear games where you can be really good at the game, but there's always a guy that'll that'll beat the game only using tranquilizer darts or some crazy shit. You know, like I like seeing that because I like seeing the strategy at, at work. And again, who would have thought 10 years ago we'd be talking about um, somebody, you know, watching somebody else play a game? You know, we, we would never have been having this conversation, but. I like watching it because I like to see the strategy. See, I always, my wife always jokes about like games where you got to be super quiet. Like Assassin's Creed is a great example. Most times I go through the levels fairly quiet, fairly stealthy. Occasionally I'll just run through and it'll be a, a, a fucking bloodbath. I mean, um, the last one, the one that takes place in England, there's, um, there were a lot of missions where you had to go and kill people and you'd get extra points, obviously, if they didn't sound the alarm. A lot of times I would get them. But um, most times it was it was, uh, you know, I'd say to myself, oh, you know, I'm I'm almost through. And some guy would see me run, sound the alarm. I'd throw the knife and sometimes I'd catch the person before they rang the alarm. But sometimes they didn't. And then a bunch of people came in and it was mayhem. So to to see how meticulous, um, you know, how meticulous slick is with that is is pretty funny. And to see the. uh the shock on his face, like, oh, fuck, you know, I messed up. It, it was definitely fun. So do yourselves a favor and, and, and make sure to check it out when he's, uh, when he's streaming because that's definitely some cool shit to see. All right. So with that out of the way, the gaming segment is being put to bed. Let's switch gears, talk some entertainment, quite a bit to discuss. Let's get to it. So I want to start off with uh, box office totals. Uh, surprisingly to some people, not to me, um, the Blair Witch remake did not take the top spot at the box office. Even though I've heard some pretty decent things about it, it, uh, it came under the top spot. So, you know, it was definitely top five, but it definitely didn't take number one. Anyway, 
Uh, working my way from number one down, number one was Sully. Uh, Tom Hanks' uh, portrayal of uh, Sully the pilot, which obviously if you are a New Yorker, you know the story, um, ended up capturing a pretty decent uh, box office haul this weekend, earning $22 million and bringing its total to $70.5 million. Blair Witch came in at number two, but it only earned $9.7 million, which I don't know the budget for the film, but you know, I, I definitely doubt that, that it was made for, for less than, than a million dollars. I mean, in the old days, you know, you could crank out a horror movie for a decent amount of money, and if you cleared 15 or $20 million, you'd be ahead of the curve. Not sure that's the case with Blair Witch with the $9.7 million. Slick, if you get a chance, let me know what was the budget for that Blair Witch remake, just to see if it was uh, if it's upside down or not. Uh, Bridget Jones' Baby came in at number three, eight point two million dollars. Snowden was number four. I've heard good things about it. I really want to try and get out to see it. I heard Joseph Gordon-Levitt was amazing. Uh, Don't Breathe was number five, five point six million dollars. Brought its total to seventy-five point three million dollars, which is which is huge. Uh, for a horror movie that just came out of nowhere. Uh, when the Bow Breaks was number six. Suicide Squad was number seven, adding to its impressive haul of $4.7 million, $313.8 million overall. Uh, in addition, The Wildlife was number eight. Kubo and the Two Strings was number nine. Pete's Dragon was number 10. Now, of course, this weekend we got Antoine Fuqua and Denzel Washington's Magnificent Seven which I am probably going to be checking out this weekend. Look for a review on RageWorks.net and, of course, a five-minute movie review during next week's entertainment segment. Also, um, definitely want to acknowledge the the what-the-fuck movie news for this week. Uh, Very interesting because it involves a show that I haven't heard about in, in the general public since I was fairly young. And that, ladies and gentlemen is Magnum P.I. <laughs> as many of you know, Magnum P.I. had Tom Selleck as Thomas Magnum, and, you know, Private Investigator took place in Hawaii. It was it was crazy, you know? I, I remember watching reruns when I was a kid on various channels. Then I remember when we first started getting cable on a consistent basis, they used to give a lot of reruns on, TN, on TNT. So, no biggie, Magnum P.I., what about it? What's what what what's putting it in the what the fuck news cat movie news category this week? Well, it is because they're doing a sequel slash reboot with a female in the role of Magnum P.I. Now, this alleged reboot slash sequel is going to follow Thomas Magnum's daughter, Lily, who travels to her to, who travels to Hawaii to take over Magnum P.I.'s detective agency. Um, obviously we're going to get an origin that led to her going to Hawaii to take over the agency and it's going to have her own story, but, um, it's, it's just crazy because obviously, you know, Tom Selleck is still around doing his thing. Not sure how that's going to fly. I mean, we got a reboot of MacGyver, which is airing as a matter of fact today. So (laughs) what at this rate, nothing surprises me, but I just, Of all the things I would have thought to have seen on my TV, I would have probably thought I would to to have seen a million other TV shows before Magnum P.I. I mean, they tried the Uncle Buck TV show, which failed. Uh, You know, we got the MacGyver reboot. 
which is happening. Lethal Weapon, which I actually DVR'd, and I haven't watched yet, but a few people said it's not a complete festering pile of shit. I will share my assessment on that uh, next week, and I, I'll let you guys know. But I don't know, man. It, like, Here's the thing. The Hawaii Five O reboot, which has been going on on CBS, I believe it's going on seven seasons, wasn't terrible. A lot more action, a lot more violence, that's for sure. But in the end, as the seasons progressed, the show got progressively progressively more and more subpar. Even now with the new season, which I believe also starts today, I'm just, I'm not convinced, you know, I'm not, I'm like, eh, you know, it looks, it looks promising, but at this point, if they, if they pull the plug on it, I definitely wouldn't shed any tears, but yes, a Magnum PI sequel slash reboot is on deck and you're going to be able to watch it on ABC if ever, if all the pieces come together, as I get more news on it, including air date stars, etc., I will let you guys know. I did want to mention that, um, the Van Helsing TV series I talked about with the uh, the female lead for Van Helsing, I believe is also starting on Sci-Fi. If it didn't start earlier this week, it starts also tomorrow. In either case, I'm going to try and check that out and share my thoughts on that series with you as well. This week has been a very, very uh, newsworthy week for the upcoming Power Rangers film, uh, in addition to obviously new posters which have been put out with the with the cast, and it gives us slight glimpses of the of the Zords. Uh, new casting announcement was done, and it is that Bill Hader is going to be playing Alpha Five in the upcoming film. Of course, this new Power Rangers reboot uh, comes out March twenty fourth, twenty seventeen. Elizabeth Banks is going to be playing Rita Repulsa. Brian Cranston, yes, that Brian Cranston. Walter White is going to be Zordon. And Bill Hader is going to be playing Alpha 5. Curious to see how that goes. Um, not sure how I feel about this new interpretation of, of, of the, you know, some iconic characters that I grew up with. You know, the costumes are, they left, they leave a bit to be desired. But, you know, if, if there's one thing we've learned sometimes is that photos don't do the costumes justice. And it's about seeing them in action. So, I am going to reserve judgment. I, I liked what they did with Elizabeth Banks for Rita Repulsa. Uh, definitely a far departure from the, uh, you know, the, the Asian lady with the big horns. So a little, you know, obviously different, a bit more modern, which is fine. Just um, I'm really, really apprehensive about how that's going to go down. And for me personally, we've already seen that Transformers has become, you know, a, a cash cow but you know it's it's it, they've progressively fucking fallen through the cracks in terms of some of the stuff they're doing. Uh, funny thing is, I saw a um, there's a there's a comic book coming out from IDW. I believe it's called I want to say it's Revolution, which um, brings together uh, Action Man, GI Joe, Transformers, and Rom Space Knight, which are all characters in the IDW umbrella, which coincides with Hasbro's announcement that they're going to have a cinematic universe where Mask, G.I. Joe are all going to be part of the same universe, which, you know, take it or leave it. But it's funny that IDW put out this comic, which also has that same premise. I'm curious to see how that's going to play out. I know that they wanted to do Mask in the next G.I. Joe movie, which, by the way, is still happening uh, not sure how I feel about everything else kind of being in the same universe. I have a, a soft spot for Rom Space Knight. I used to read that book when I was a kid. 
I actually think I may have an issue or two maybe banished in my garage, definitely not in my in my comic boxes, which I'm cataloging. Uh, which, by the way, if you're, uh, if you're a comic book fan, I got a pretty decent collection I'm going to start clearing out. So um, it'll probably be going on eBay and a couple of other places. So if uh, you're into comics, uh, Marvel, DC, a lot of 90s stuff, uh, definitely drop me a line if you're interested and I'll send you a list. But as I said, uh, I'm curious to see... Obviously, what they do with Power Rangers, obviously the the special effects have come so far from the previous films that we can only hope that the Zords and the and the Megazord look good on screen. But, you know, there's we we have been disappointed sometimes. I, I always say that when I look at the Transformers movies, I always feel that all the work went into making Optimus Prime look awesome. And then everyone else was an afterthought. The only notable exception, I got to say, was Shockwave and um, Jetfire was kind of cool and obviously Bumblebee. I just feel that when it comes especially to the Decepticons, they're always, um, you know, they aren't super, they are, they, they are always jumbled pieces of metal. Slick says Optimus Prime looks, <laughs> looks like shit. As many of you know, Slick has, um, you know, he has his issues with the Transformers uh, cinematic universe, and we've talked about it at length, obviously. Look at past episodes for uh, many, many in, you know, deep conversations. But I got to say, you know, even though he's not a fan of Optimus Prime's design, I, I you know, I don't dig the, the, the flames, the red flames on it. But for the most part, it's pretty spot on until he opens that, that visor and you see his little fucking robot mouth moving. But outside of that, I think... Um, you know, it's not a it's not a terrible design. Uh, Bumblebee, eh? You know, I I think uh, <laughs> don't pimp my Autobot. Uh, nice slick, very nice. I just I just feel that you know the the villains in Transformers were always an afterthought. Like I said, minus Shockwave, which was really cool, and um, Barricade. You know, just because the the alt mode as the police as the cop car was really cool, but you know, it's one of those things where. With stuff like Power Rangers, where it's a very easy concept, giant robots that look like animals or dinosaurs or whatever version they want to use come together, form a giant robot and fuck shit up. It's not difficult, folks. It's not difficult. Yes. Yes. Slick. I know. Devastator had testicles. I know. I know. Um, you know, I I'm going to reserve judgment. I like some of the stuff I've seen. Not totally sold on the rest, but. We'll see what happens. March 24th, 2017 is a date to mark on your calendars. As I mentioned earlier, I'll be going to check out the Magnificent Seven this weekend. Of course, another uh, pairing between Denzel Washington and Antoine Fuqua, which as far as I've seen, anytime those two guys do movies together, it is usually an enjoyable film for yours truly. Another film that I enjoyed, which is getting a sequel, is The Equalizer. And Denzel Washington and Antoine Fuqua are once again coming together for the sequel uh, for that film, which is scheduled to hit theater September 29th, 2017. Uh, the Equalizer, I feel that now that Denzel Washington's gotten a little older, um, a lot of the f- movies that he's done where he plays like, you know, the, 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 the elder statesman of action films are just really, really well done. I enjoyed The Equalizer. Um, I felt that that was probably one of one of his better films. I like Two Guns with him and Mark Wahlberg. He was really good in that. I um I like the movie with him and um what the hell uh what's his face ah uh, why can I not get this guy's name uh Ryan Reynolds 
Uh, him and Ryan Reynolds were were in a in a crazy action movie, which we went to see at, at a screening. They gave it for a while, and I forgot the fucking title of it because I'm a schmuck, and it's also uh, one o'clock in the morning. But in any case, um, happy to see Fuqua and Washington together for a sequel to The Equalizer. I thought The Equalizer was very well done, um, even though obviously it was a remake of a of a of a of an older film, it was still very well executed. And I thought Denzel Washington did a bang up job. We'll see what happens uh, with the sequel when it hits theaters, September 29th. Now, the last thing I wanted to talk about was a piece that comicbook.com put out, which was called seven criminally underrated comic book movies. And to, to many people, they may not even know these are comic book films per se, for other people, they may agree with the assessment. For me, I wanted to get into it because there were a lot of films that really, you know, I have a soft spot for. So uh, the first film that they mentioned was The Rocketeer. Uh, the Rocketeer actually is going to have a sequel slash remake uh, coming out, very, I believe, next year or the year after. And The Rocketeer was probably one of my favorite superhero movies growing up. I watched it more times than I care to count. And whenever it's on, I always end up watching it. My wife will come in. She'll be like, ah, it's the Rocketeer. And I'm like, yep. And, um, you know, it was it's a pretty straightforward concept, you know, uh, uh, scrappy, scrappy, you know, pilot finds this rocket pack and ends up fighting Nazis and saving the world. Very easy, very formulaic, but a fun movie overall and um, definitely underrated for many people. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. The visuals were awesome. And it was just it was just a badass movie. And I think that when you see um, Captain America, the first Avenger, and you see some of the stuff that they pulled off, a lot of it, I felt, was because of how they pulled off the Rocketeer and made it look so good. I think that there was definitely some some inspiration in there for sure. And if you've never seen the Rocketeer and you're a superhero, you know, you're a comic buff or superhero, you know, movie fan, definitely do yourself a favor and check that one out. Also on that list, Watchmen. Uh, Slick and I went to see Watchmen in IMAX. And um, aside from, besides, obviously, Dr. Manhattan walking around butt-ass naked and blue dick on screen for pretty much the later part of the film, uh, Watchmen is, without a doubt, one of the best, you know, definitely top five representations of comic book characters on screen. Um, an amazing comic book that was brought to life. Uh, even though, you know, we, we all hate Scott, uh, Scott Snyder, Zack Snyder, you know, I feel that Watchmen definitely was one of those movies that he just fucking blew it out of the water. If you've never seen Watchmen, I recommend you definitely pick up the comic, give it a read. There's a lot of parallels in that in those books to what's going on in the real world. Uh, Jimbo Slice and I are, took a deep dive into that on uh, the variant issue, which you'll be hearing very soon. But I got to say, uh, Watchmen, V for Vendetta, you know, those movies that tie into some of the shit that's going on, there's there's a lot of real world stuff in there. And if you haven't seen Watchmen, give it a shot. You can probably find it on Blu-ray for 10 bucks, maybe even less. And they have been giving it on and off on cable. But do yourselves a favor. Check it out. If you if you're reading DC's current rebirth story, uh, the Watchmen are kind of loosely involved i don't want to give away too much but you know the watchmen now exist in the same universe as the rest of the dc characters so if that's not enough to get you hype i don't know what else is but definitely um check out the watchmen which definitely is an underrated film 
the other film that they talked about uh, was Mystery Men, which um, I remember watching Mystery Men when I was younger, and I fucking hated it. Probably because I, I, I just am not a huge Ben Stiller fan. But there were there were some really, really cool moments in that film. There were a lot of funny moments, but, um, you know, Slick, Slick stands by me hating comedy. It's not even that, you know? It's just that... When you watch that movie, when it came out, can you tell me, Slick, what year Mystery Men came out? And I want to say because, you know, what that watching superhero comedies, like I like some of them, like Meteor Man. I have a soft spot for Meteor Man. You know, Robert Townsend, um, you know, and, and just a who's who of, of great characters. Blank Man. Blank Man is another one, which, um, you know, a lot of people give that. It, it, it is it is complete fucking stupidity but blank man has a soft spot also for me and and i laugh my ass off every time that movie's on just because damon waynes was just dialed dialed into fucking crazy town the entire film but you know mystery men when it came out uh slick told me 1999 you know i was uh, 19 years old at the time you know going through my fair share of stuff and i remember seeing it on cable and saying to myself really people like this shit and i hated it so so much but um as i got older i appreciated a lot of the comedy that went into it there was a lot of smart comedy in there um really good work by eddie izzard janine garofalo um really a a stellar cast that came together to to give us something that was okay i mean greg kinnear ben stiller two actors that i just i just want to punch them both in the face but um you know now that i'm older I, i appreciate what mystery men was trying to do uh, if you're if you're a comedy buff and you like superhero movies, um, I, I'd say it's worth a watch. I don't want to say it's criminally underrated, but it's it's worth checking out. Dread, and we're talking the Carl Urban Dread, not the Sylvester Stallone Armand Asante Judge Dread. Uh, Dread with uh, Carl Urban was fucking amazing, and one of the reasons I say that is because I was a big fan of the Raid, which essentially. I hate to say it is pretty much what what Dread was. You pretty much took all the characters out of the raid and replaced them with Judge Dread and his partner, and it was essentially the same film. But nonetheless, visceral, violent, and amazingly well done. Carl Urban did a great job in that film, and it really captured a lot of what made the Judge Dread books really good. Um, like I said, super underrated. Uh, one of the first uh, 3D Blu-rays I purchased, which. If you can, definitely check it out on 3D Blu-ray. The transfer was good. The 3D is solid. And the movie is definitely in the underrated category. That's for sure. Next up, they had Man of Steel. (laughs) You know what the thing is? I don't feel Man of Steel is underrated. I feel Man of Steel got good. Well, let me rephrase that. Man of Steel was good in the beginning as they were trying to humanize Superman as soon as it got into him fighting Zod, it was like, we're just going to blow up and destroy as much shit as possible to make it look cool. And I've always said this. I've said this in, in previous shows. The only, you know, Superman has, there's two facets to Superman that need to translate well to, for on, for on screen success. Uh, number one is humanizing Superman, allowing Superman to, to be human, to be, you know, happy-go-lucky, cheerful Clark Kent, not jaded, annoyed, angry Clark Kent, because that's not that's not him. 
you know, Superman and Clark Kent both are they're they're the better representations of us as people. You know, Clark Kent is always Mr. Brightside, the guy that that always tries to see the good in everything, et cetera, et cetera. And I just felt that even though Man of Steel, I enjoyed it. I always watch it. I love the fucking shit being destroyed. I enjoy shit like that. Plus, Michael Shannon is awesome as Zod, which is a separate a separate thing. I just feel that there were times when that movie lost a lot of what makes Superman Superman. You know, the the you know the the human factor just fell by the wayside. And I and I'm being serious. I really felt it did. But overall, I don't want to say it's underrated. I feel it's a movie that you should watch. And check out and, you know, obviously develop your own assessment. But it definitely has a lot of stuff on screen that was awesome to see. You know, I liked I liked the fact that Henry Cavill looks like Superman. You know, he's fucking jacked. Looks like, he, like he's supposed to look in the books. I always felt that he was a, a good Superman and a decent Clark Kent. Like, I just felt his Clark Kent needed work. Like, Clark Kent was a little too jaded a little too ornery, you know, versus Superman, which, again, it's a little different. I just, that's just me. I think, um, you know, many people are going to look at at that Superman and they're always going to try and compare it to, you know, Christopher Reeve, Brandon Routh, whatever. And I, it the, it's always right to compare because there's always different things that you're going to like about one Superman versus the other. I feel that, you know, Christopher Reeve's Superman is the Superman that we that we all know and love. And it's not just because Christopher Reeve was an amazing actor or that he did a good job, but he embodied everything that makes Superman Superman. You know, Clark Kent was goofy and and funny, but always ready to to help, to 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 jump in and and do the right thing and and be a better a better person. And you know, his interpretation of Superman uh, was also Exactly like that. You know, he had some 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 good old uh, he had good old fashioned values. He had a little bit of funny, you know, a couple of funny moments, Um, you know, and he had good, good heroic moments on screen as well. I just I just felt that when it comes to that to that representation, Christopher Reeve is definitely the best in terms of modern, uh, you know, making Superman look like Superman looks now. uh, Henry Cavill knocks it out of the park. Like I said, He's a good Superman, and a, and a, his Clark Kent needs work. But still, um, probably, you know, Man of Steel is one of those films that you're either going to really love it or really hate it. That's that's pretty much how I've, how I've spoke to people. I, you know, I loved it. I thought it was good. But I also, when you watch the film repeatedly, you find a lot of flaws. And that's one thing. Like, I always end up watching it, and I enjoy it, but it, it has its flaws, you know, that's that's that goes without saying. I'm not going to make any excuses or be like, ah, oh, you know, it's a, it's a misunderstood film. No, the film, if you watch it, you know, a handful of times, you're going to pick it apart by the third viewing and you're going to hate a lot of shit. I'm being honest, you're going to there's a lot of shit. You're going to be like, really? Come on. Versus, in, you know, certain other films where you find one or two things wrong. There's definitely shit in Man of Steel that was that was, you know, fucked up. But then there's stuff that you're just like, wow. You know, it's it's a take it or leave it thing. I don't feel it deserves the moniker of underrated, but that's just me. Ah, the next film that they had on their list was Punisher Warzone. Even though the Thomas Jane Punisher film with John Travolta was good and it captured a lot of the really good drama 
that you could do with the Punisher character. In terms of carnage, violence, and bloodshed, uh, the Punisher Warzone embodied that to a T. You know, as much as, yes, don't get me wrong, Ray Stevenson eh, left a little to be desired. Jigsaw, take it or leave it. But the, you know, seeing, reading a Punisher comic book, there's a lot of bullets, there's a lot of gunfire, there's a shitload of people dying, and the Punisher usually just has that steely-eyed, cold face doing what he has to do and ridding the world of criminal scum. It is what it is. Punisher Warzone did just that. The only thing is, you know, it's a, it's, it, it, has, it has really good moments. Like, you know, it captured a lot of the stuff that, made the pun- that makes the Punisher the Punisher. And the, the, uh, the action sequences were fucking bananas. But, you know, the, there's a lot of stuff that, that went wrong, which many people say was partially because the studio got involved and were, you know, changing things and doing different things. But, um, you know, I, I felt Ray Stevenson did a decent job. I think he looked apart. And again, they captured a lot of what makes the Punisher the Punisher. Is it a great movie? No. Is it a good representation of the Punisher outside of, you know, John Bernthal on Daredevil? Yes. I don't know why Josie and the Pussycats is on this list. Fuck that movie. I remember watching that movie when I was younger and thinking it was complete bullshit. And I still think it is. I don't think it's underrated. I just, I'm just not a fan. Um, you know, an interesting list from comicbook.com. I got to say that... Some of the films that were there deserve to be there, but there were other films that that you could put there. A History of Violence should be on that list. Road to Perdition should be on that list. Two Guns could be on that list. Those are three films. V for Vendetta should be on that list because some people don't even know that that movie's a comic book. They, they, they're always like, oh, The Mask and blah, 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 and V, and it's like, it's a comic book movie. Really? It's happened more times than I care to admit. But... Those are those are underrated films, you know. Like I said, Road to Perdition, uh, definitely History of Violence, definitely Kingsman, definitely Kickass, the first one, absolutely Scott Pilgrim, also underrated comic book flick. Again, there the list the list is definitely going to be, um, you know, a choose your own adventure kind of scenario. But you know what? I'm going to pose this to you guys. Give me. And you can email me your responses, and I'm also going to post it in the group. Um, I'll make it real easy. Give me your top three underrated comic book films. You can email your responses to mtrhost at mytakeradio.com, and I will read them on air. Or if you're in the Facebook group, I will uh, read those responses on air uh, next week. But again, give me your three underrated comic book movies that you feel don't get enough... uh, you know, enough enough play, enough conversation, etc. I'd love to hear it. Anyway, that little bit is going to wrap up the entertainment segment for this week, and it is going to wrap up tonight's show. So, I've given you guys my take on gaming and entertainment this week. As always, I would love to hear yours. Feel free to reach out via email, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com or rich at rageworks.net, whichever you prefer. On social media, you can find us on Twitter at MyTakeRadio or at Rage underscore Works. If you're on Facebook, you can become a fan of RageWorks on Facebook or join the RageWorks group. Just punch in RageWorks and you should be able to find us. If you want the URL, Facebook.com forward slash official RageWorks for our Facebook fan page. You can also find RageWorks on 
Instagram, Snapchat, Pinterest, and Google Plus as well. If you're on any of those services, look us up. We also have a Tumblr feed. If you are a Tumblr user, you can hit us up that way as well. With that said, this episode, as well as any as any of our previous episodes, can be found on RageWorks.net. Just punch in My Take Radio. You'll find audio and video for this show and any of our past shows. You can also find us on YouTube for video archives, youtube.com forward slash official RageWorks. And audio of this show will be available in podcast format on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio, usually within 24 to 48 hours of airing. Anyway. With that said, uh, wow, I didn't even switch over to uh, the slick. Shit. Anyway, <laughs> way to botch that. In any case, join us next week, Wednesday, 11.30 p.m. Eastern, 8.30 p.m. Pacific, for the MMA and Wrestling edition of My Take Radio. Until then, on behalf of myself, Slick, and the rest of the crew, thank you guys for watching. Thank you guys for listening. I'll see you next week. Peace. Yeah. Uh, uh. That's all, folks.